The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. How are we doing, church? Am I feeling good? Good. Hey, it is an honor and a privilege to be here at Durant with you today. Again, like Rob said, my name is AJ. I'm the site pastor for our downtown location in downtown Raleigh. And I, um, I'm not used to being up early. Like we have one service which starts at 11. So by the time I was preaching here first service, I'm usually still in bed. So I'm still, I've had a lot of coffee today, so we're still going. But I, I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm really excited uh, to continue this series through Psalm 23. It's been a great series. Uh, at least I know I've loved just being, diving into God's word and learning these deep truths of this really, really rich passage. And so as we continue today, I'd love for you to be able to follow along. The ushers will be coming down with some Bibles if you need one or if you forgot yours, just want to borrow one. Or if you don't own one, please accept this as our gift to you. Make it yours. Write your name in it. Take it home. Highlight in it and make it yours. As those are coming around, you can just signal to one of the ushers. I want to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a history lesson. Throughout the presidency of Franklin D. Roosevelt, the United States faced two great threats. And the first one was Germany. In the late 1930s, Adolf Hitler was rising to power in Germany. He was being heard in Europe. And so he was rising to power. He was hell-bent on the annihilation of the Jews and the spread of Nazism throughout Europe and then eventually across the world. And so America was drawn into this war with Germany because the threat to us was very real. But if Germany wasn't threat enough, on December 7th, 1941, we got sucker punched by Japan at Pearl Harbor. And that moment took America to its needs. And so all of a sudden we were fighting two enemies, one in the Atlantic and one from the Pacific, and both were hell-bent on our destruction, on our demise. It was as if the United States was caught in the valley of the shadow of death. And so there was this mood that began to spread all across America, and that mood was fear. But FDR, his, his greatest concern wasn't, the, the, wasn't Germany, it wasn't Japan, it wasn't even the spread of Nazism throughout the world. His greatest concern was the spread of fear across America. Why is that? Because fear is debilitating. Fear is crippling. Fear can paralyze the people to the point where they can't take action, where they lose their resolve, where they can't move. And if there's anything America needed at that moment was the guts and the courage and the resolve to respond, to take action. And so when Roosevelt came into office, he made a statement that defined the times, made a statement that defined his presidency. Most of you remember this. He said, the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. In other words, what FDR is saying, if you have to fear something, fear fear. Right? Don't fear Germany. Don't fear Japan. Fear fear. Because fear is crippling. Fear is debilitating. And what he wasn't saying, he wasn't saying, let's ignore these threats. They're not real. We'll just forget about it. He's saying these threats are very real. And the only way we're going to be able to overpower them is to make sure we aren't first overpowered by fear. 
So we will never be able to overpower the enemy if we are first overpowered by fear. If fear rules our hearts, then we will never be able to get out of this valley. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything that Roosevelt did was right. I'm not saying everything he did was wrong. A very unpolitical person. But what I am saying is that what Roosevelt said right was that we should fear fear because it's crippling both to a nation and to individuals. It's deadly. So let's bring this over to Psalm 23 because in verse four, what David does is he brings up the issue of fear. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so here's my thought for you today, my, my main idea, okay? If you don't hear anything, stay with me right here, okay? God knows the power of fear, okay? He knows that fear can cripple you. He knows that fear can paralyze you and to keep you from moving out of the valley that you're in in your life. And when you're there, that it will paralyze you, it will make you stay there so much so that you can't get out of the valley. But God's goal as your shepherd is to lead you through the valley, okay? His goal is to lead you through the valley so that you can actually get out of it and go to the green pasture. So you might ask, okay, well, how does God get fear out of my head? It's, it's all I think about it. It pervades my mind. It's, it's always there. The valley that I'm in, the darkness that I'm in, the darkness that I'm experiencing is always there. How does he remove that from my mind? Well, as we look at this psalm and this verse, we're going to learn some things about fear and also about the valleys. And the first thing that we need to know is that sometimes God leads you into a valley. And I know that may be a hard pill to swallow for some people. It is for me sometimes, especially when I'm in the valley. But stay with me. In week one of this series, we looked at verse one of Psalm 23, where David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So in this passage, he compares himself to a sheep and God to a shepherd. In the same way, we are the sheep, God is our shepherd. So why does David use this analogy? Maybe this doesn't even really make sense, especially for most of us. I don't, I've never been a sheep farmer, so I don't really know a lot about sheep. I know they're kind of dirty, they're kind of dumb. But that's it, right? So why would he use this analogy of a shepherd and a sheep to describe his relationship with us? Well, in that culture and to David, the author, who was a shepherd, by the way, it made perfect sense because there was no more intimate analogy that he could use to describe how much God cared for you. There was no greater analogy he could use to show how God wants to be or is involved in every aspect of your life. See, in that culture, a shepherd was involved in every move, in every daily aspect of the sheep's life. And so that's how God is or wants to be in your life. He wants to be involved in every aspect. And so when David says, even though I walk through the valley, he's using this image of shepherd and sheep going through a valley. And it's great because in the summertime, in the Middle East, shepherds would lead their sheep down around the flatlands by the Dead Sea, and then they would want to lead them to the mountaintops to the hilltops because during the summertime, that's where the green grass was. That's where the still waters were up on the mountaintop. But in order to get the sheep to the mountaintops, many times it meant we have to lead them through the valley, right? Because mountains usually have valleys, right? But the problem with that is that valleys have a way of triggering fear in the sheep because there's darkness in the valleys, Right? The, the mountains and the hills cast long shadows and darkness into the valleys, and it had a way of scaring the sheep, had a way of putting fear in the hearts of the sheep, so much so that the entire flock would just seize up in the valley. They would just stay there. They would get scared. They'd get fearful. Their hearts would be terrified, so they wouldn't move. They would just get seized up in the valley. They would become paralyzed with fear. 
And so the shepherd's goal was to walk them through the valley, but when they saw the darkness, when they saw what was happening in the valley, they would seize up and they couldn't get out of the valley that they were in. What a great picture of you and I, right? See, our shepherd, God, our good shepherd, our perfect shepherd wants to lead us to the mountaintop. We talk about mountaintop experiences with God. If you've ever been on a mission trip or you've ever been at a worship conference or something like that, you've experienced these mountaintop experiences with God where you've never felt closer to him than you have ever before. You and God are just like right there. And we want those experiences. We long for those experiences. But I think we have a wrong view of how God gets us to those experiences, to those mountaintops. Let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I went on a trip uh, with about 20 people to Arizona. We went to the Grand Canyon and it was great. We, we hiked 11 miles into the Grand Canyon. We were going to camp overnight, and then we were going to hike 11 miles out. And it was great. Uh, I'm a big fan of gravity, so going downhill was wonderful, right? It made it really easy. And then it was really flat down there, so that was nice. So we just walked. It was beautiful. We were jumping off waterfalls, weren't supposed to be. And we were just, you know, going all over the place. It was great. So we get there, 11 miles. We camp out by this beautiful river, crystal clear blue water. It was wonderful. So we get up to the next morning and we start our trek back. And we get about a mile into it and come to like this campsite checkpoint thing where some of our guides worked. And they said, you know, you could refill water or you could get some snacks or stuff like that. And they said, this site also serves as an area where helicopters come in and fly people out. So if you guys want for a very small fee, some of you, if not all of you, could fly a helicopter, could not fly the helicopter, but be in the helicopter and fly out so you don't have to hike the next 10 miles. And so most people were like, yeah, what? You know, like, that makes perfect sense. And me being the 16, 17-year-old prideful guy that I was, I was like, no, I am finishing this thing, right? Which, thinking back now, I was like, I should have took the helicopter because it's 10 miles in the Grand Canyon. It's hot, okay? And so, but, so there were about five of us who stayed and hiked the next 10 miles out. And while, you know, the, the helicopter was a lot easier way, but when we got out and going up was harder than going down, when we got to the top, we had a much greater appreciation for the valley that we're in, didn't we? we? We had a different kind of perspective on where we just were as opposed to where we were th- then when we got out of the valley. You see, I think many of us spiritually think we can be airlifted to the mountaintop, right? That we don't have to walk through the valley. We think God's just going to tell us where to go and how I get to the end. But David says, even though I walk through the valley. You know, many of you came in here today saying, hey, this is me. I am in a valley. I am seeing the darkness. There is fear in my heart. Maybe for you, it's a financial fear. Maybe it's a relationship valley. Maybe it's a children valley. Maybe it's a a job valley. Maybe it's a valley of guilt or a valley of shame or a valley of regret or a valley of depression. So what you need to know about valleys is that they can trigger fear in your head. And just like with the sheep, in the darkness, in the unknown of what's coming ahead in your future, what's what's lying there waiting for you, fear can grip your heart. And you're in this deep valley and all you see is darkness. And so there's fear triggered in your head. And when that happens, fear can become paralyzing. And by that, I mean, fear is a very powerful emotion. It's powerful enough to paralyze you in the valley that you're in so much so that you can't act Right, you lose your courage, you can't move. And so what ends up happening is you just camp out in the valley. Right? You, just, you, you pitch your tent, you set up shopping. Hey, I'm just going to stay here in the valley because this is what I know. Because I'm, it doesn't matter, I'm full of fear, I'm just going to stay here. You set up shop and you stay in the valley. And you see, David had not only 
seen the effect as a shepherd of fear of darkness in the valley of sheep, but he had also seen the effect of fear of the valley over people. Yes, what do you mean? Well, specifically, talking about the army of Israel in the valley of Elah, in 1 Samuel 17, he's talking about the shadow of death that was cast down by a giant of a man named what? Goliath. Let me show you what I mean. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkot in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Sukkot and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now I'm going to stop there real quick. I don't know many of you, I, I didn't, for example, I don't know how tall six what do you say? Six cubits in a span. I have no idea what that means. So I'll just give you, it's about nine feet tall. It's just over nine feet tall. Now, I don't know many people who are nine feet tall. I don't see many of them walking around. I went to Ripley's once and I saw somebody who was pretty huge, right? I think he was made out of clay or something. But I don't see many people on a daily basis who are nine feet tall. So let me give you kind of a perspective. When I was a kid, I grew up in Florida until I was about 12. But when I was like five or six, I don't even remember why, but I ended up in the hospital in Orlando in central Florida for about a week. And I was in the children's ward and we were there. And so that happened to be the week that the Orlando Magic came through to see some of the kids, right? Which is great because growing up, I was a huge Magic fan. And so I get to meet like Penny Hardaway and so all these guys. And then comes walking in who? Shaquille O'Neal, right? Shaquille O'Neal is 7'1". He is a monster of a man. He wears a size 23 shoe. Like, really? Like, I know that doesn't even make sense, but 23, that's like two of my feet, He's a huge guy. Goliath was nine feet tall. He's two feet taller than Shaq. Right? It doesn't even compute. This was a, a killing machine. This guy was a monster. He put fear in the heart of anybody who stood in front of him. And so to stand in his shadow was literally to stand in the shadow of death. And Goliath knew it. Watch what happens in verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and service. He's mocking the army of Israel and the people of Saul. And so for the people of Israel to get to the mountaintop in terms of national security, someone would have to go down into that valley and fight this Goliath. Someone would have to have the guts and the courage and the resolve to go into that valley and to stand in the shadow of death. Knowing that not only would God take them into the valley, but he would take them through the valley. But first they have to go through this giant of a man. But somebody had to have courage. But watch what happened in verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. You see, the shadow of Goliath was like the shadow of certain death. It triggered panic. It triggered fear. It made cowards out of these men. And listen, fear will make a coward out of you, and fear will make a coward out of me. That's the power it has over our lives. And that's why FDR said the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself. So let's bring it back to us today. Some of you today are in a deep valley. Darkness overcomes your heart and your mind. And so you're in that valley. And God may have led you into that valley for whatever reason, but you need to know there is a purpose for the valley that you're in. And if fear overpowers you while you're in that valley, you will get stuck there. You will stay there and fear will just consume your life. You will just camp out in that valley for a long time if fear overpowers you. 
But here's what you need to understand. God's mission is to lead you through the valley. His mission is to lead you through the valley. So in David's use of the shepherd sheep language, what he's saying is that our shepherd, our guide, our good shepherd, his goal is not to leave us in the valley, but to lead us through the valley. So if you're in a valley today, you need to know that your God, your shepherd doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to lead you through the valley. So you're not camped out in the valley. Isn't that good news today? That our God wants to lead us through the valley, not to leave us there. His goal is to get you to the mountaintop, to get you through the valley. But we need to understand God's protocol for getting us through the valley. You see, our shepherd leads us one step at a time. Verse 4, David says, even though I walk through the valley, step by step. Our God is a step-by-step ordering God. You see, sometimes when we're in the valley, we want to know the end, right? We want to be airlifted to the end and we say, hey, God, how's this going to work out? What am I going to do? How's this going to end? What's going to happen? And God says, I'm not going to tell you the end. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but I will give you the next step. I will tell you what next step to take. So, so you take the next step. I'll be your shepherd. You be my sheep and you follow me step by step. And we see this throughout scripture. Psalm 37 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Matthew 6, give us today our daily bread. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The point is this, God just wants you to obey him today. He wants you to take that next step in following him today. And if you obey him today, if you obey him the next day, he will lead you through the valley. He is a step-by-step ordering God. So God leads us step by step. And not only that, but when we're in the valley, we need to know that the shepherd is with you. The good shepherd is with you. He, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Say it with me. For you are with me. For you are with me. The idea here is that the shepherd will never leave, will never forsake his sheep, especially when you're in the valley. You can always trust, you can always be assured that God's presence will be with you because he never leaves his sheep in the valley. It's in the valley, as a matter of fact, that we often come closest to God, isn't it? We're in that darkness, we're in that dark place. It's often we talk to God more, we pray to God more, we wanna know what's gonna happen. So our relationship gets more intimate than ever. In fact, notice the difference in David's language here. He goes from second person to first. Listen to verse one, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's almost as if he's talking to somebody about God, right? He's kind of almost even bragging about God. He said, listen, I don't know who you lean on, I don't know where you get your power from, but Yahweh, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything. He's got me covered. But then he's, t- he's, talking about, he's talking about God, then he starts talking to God. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Watch this. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, this is one of the blessings of walking through a valley. A valley has a way of drawing you closer to God. And the deeper the valley, the darker the valley, the more we want to talk to God, the the more we long to hear from him, the more we want to dive into his presence. And so we long to speak to him. And this is exactly what God wants for us while we're in the valley. It's a blessing of talking to God. It's the blessing of prayer and he comforts us. So today, if you're in the valley, you're saying, what do I need to do to get out of this valley? What do I need to do while I'm in this valley? The first thing you need to do is you need to talk to God about your fears. Don't talk to yourself about your fears. Okay, now why is that? Because the more you talk about your fears, the greater they become. 
The more you think about your fears, the stronger the grip they have in your heart, the stronger they are in your life. When you talk to your fears, they get stronger. But when you talk to him, he will comfort you like a shepherd comforts his sheep with a rod and with a staff. Now, the rod was like a piece of wood that they carved out of a tree, much like a wooden baseball bat that we see today. And the shepherd would carry it around with them to protect their sheep. So like if a wolf would come and try and kill the sheep, he could club the wolf to death with that rod. It's a sign of protection. And so to know that our God has the rod of God to protect us. And when you pray, he reminds you, he's gonna protect you. That he is strong enough to protect you like a shepherd protects his sheep. But he also had the staff. And the staff was like one of those question mark looking staffs with like a crook on the end. And what he would do with those is when sheep would start to stray, which also happens when we're in the valley, we're like, this is not good. I'm gonna try and figure out my own way. God will take that, they'll take that staff and they'll just wrap it around the sheep's neck and just hold them right here. They'll just walk with them, keep them right by their side. And it was, it was a sign of guidance saying, hey, you need, you need to come this way, right? And so they'd hold them here, but it also a sign of love showing no matter how far we stray from God, He's going to reach out for us. That his staff is a sign of love no matter how far we stray away from him. The Bible says that God's perfect love casts out fear. And isn't that encouraging? That his love casts out fear. So when you pray and when God reveals to you that he loves you, it has a way of casting out fear. The Bible also says God has not given us a spirit of fear. And listen, in other words, if you have fear in your life, if you're afraid of the darkness, if your heart is filled with fear that, of the valley that you're in, listen, that is not from God. That is from the enemy. He wants to use fear to paralyze you so that you will stay in that valley, so that you will never make it to that mountaintop where our shepherd wants to lead us. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that power and that love and that sound mind comes from prayer. It comes from you talking to your shepherd, from you knowing his heart. So you talk to God about your fears. And then you try this. Talk to your fears about your God. Talk to your fears about your God. You're like, well, what does that mean? Let's go back to the Valley of Elah. Because if you look at the Israelite soldiers, they had only spoke about their fear. They only spoke about the giant. Oh, he's so big. He's so scary. Right? And the more they talked about him, the more fearful they become, the more scared they were. David, on the other hand, had known God from a young age and knew that God was with him. Say, for you are with me. He knew that God was with him. And so he walks down into that valley having talked to God, right? He's got God in his heart. He says, you are with me. So he goes down and he starts talking not about the giant, but to the giant, but to his fear. And he basically said, fear, giant, Goliath, you're going down, right? Listen to what he said, verse 45 and 46. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This is a kid talking junk to a nine-foot giant, all right? It's like me when I was six being like, Shaq, you want to go? There's a court. Let's go, right? He's talking junk. He said, you're going down. Listen to what he says. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head. When was the last time you said to your fear, hey, I'm going to cut off your head. Now, you have no power over me. My God is stronger than you are. David talks to God about his fear. Then he talks to his fear about his God. When was the last time you spoke to your fear about the power of your God? We just saying, my God is greater. My God is stronger. 
What if we use those words to say, hey, fear, my God is greater. My God is stronger. When was the last time you said financial fear, God is going to provide for me? When was the last time you said sickness fear, I am in the hands of the great physician? When was the last time you said giant of addiction, you no longer have control over me, my God is more powerful, my God is stronger than you? When was the last time you said fear and valley of guilt and shame, you no longer can depress me, my God is stronger, my God is more powerful, he is my shepherd. I have the rod of God, I have the power of God to protect me, I have the staff of God to show that he loves me, that he will lead me no matter where I go. When was the last time you said that? Listen, great power is released when you talk to your fear about the power of your God. So I think we need to do that even today. So I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. They're gonna lead us in a song. It talks about how our God is with us, how he never lets go through the calm, through the storm, as we walk through the valleys that he will lead us. Listen, I have no doubt that many of you here today are in a valley. There are plenty of people in our church who are walking through valleys. And what I want you to understand is God is not surprised about where you are. He's not out there scratching his head and be like, how did they get there? He knows where you are, right? You didn't catch him off guard. He's not trying to figure it out. And if he is your shepherd and he so desperately wants to be your shepherd, if he is your shepherd, then you can trust that the path you are following him on is the path to the mountaintop. And that the valley you're in will only be for a short time. And there'll be an opportunity for you to go closer to him than you ever have before. You need to know that he's gonna get you through your valley. So today, when it comes to your fears that you're dealing with, with the valley you're in, here's what I'm challenging you to do. You talk to your God about your fear. You come to him, you let him know what's going through, whatever it is, that giant in your life, that valley that you're in, you talk to God about your fear. And then you talk to your fear as well. You say, my God is stronger. My God is greater. You tell your fear about your God. Talk to your fear about the power of your God. And you leave this building today knowing that your God, your good shepherd will not leave you in the valley but will lead you through it. Amen? Let's stand up and sing that today. let's go, that no matter how far we go, no matter how many times we stay still, when we stray, when we sometimes walk the other way, God never lets go. Listen, we recognize, today there's some of you who are going through the darkness. You're in the valley and fear is gripping your heart. And today we want to help walk, walk you through that. We want to pray for you. So if you're in the valley today, you want to pray with someone, you just want to talk with someone, Rob and Joel and myself will be down here as we close this service. So we, we want to pray for you. We want you to know that God wants to lead you through that valley. So today as you leave, as you go to lunch, as you go home, whatever darkness you're in, you need to know that God wants to lead you through it. He doesn't want you to stay there. And that fear is not from God. That our good shepherd to lead us through the valley to the mountaintops. Amen? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you would lead us. We are humbled that, that you would choose us, your flock, 
to, to lead God. It doesn't even make sense as much as we stay still, as much as we walk away. And we're just so grateful. We're grateful for the sacrifice of your son so that we could know you personally and intimately so that our relationship could get stronger and stronger with you. God, I lift up those here today who are in the valley, who are in the darkness, God. I pray that you show them your sign of protection, your sign of love, that they feel that in their lives and that through the valley, through the calm, the storm, that they will be able to praise you through that. God, we thank you for your love. And God, as we leave this place, I pray that we live out the gospel, that you never let go, that you lead us and we follow. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.